Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are going to be in the book of Matthew, if you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. The title of the study is Two Kingdoms, One Choice. Two Kingdoms, One Choice. I actually don't know if I told you this story last week. I was looking through my notes and trying to figure out I couldn't find it. And so I'm, I'm going for it again. So hopefully I didn't tell this two weeks in a row. <laughs> you remember Adam, he was walking through the Garden of Eden feeling very lonely. Did I tell this one? Oh, this is good. This is a good one. He's feeling very lonely. He's walking around. God asked him, what's wrong, Adam? Adam said he didn't have anyone to talk to. God thought for a minute and then said that he was going to make him a companion and that it would be called Wonderful. That companion would be called Wonderful. Wonderful will gather food for you, cook for you, agree with your every decision, bear your children, never ask you to get up in the middle of the night to take care of them, and never nag you, be the first to admit when they're wrong and that you've had a disagreement, and Wonderful never gives you a headache whatsoever. Adam inquired, what? What will wonderful cost? God says, an arm and a leg. Adam asks, well, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> okay, they, they didn't like it. Okay, let's cross that out. I felt it. I felt it kind of like it was like sailing. It was like, it was like, gonna go, gonna go. It was like, <laughs> okay, bad joke. Bad joke. Sorry, ladies. I know. I'll hammer the guys next week, okay. <laughs> we are in Matthew chapter 12 in our Bibles. This is sermon number 53 through the book of Matthew. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we work through the text so that we digest all of the words of Christ. The Lord Jesus is not a buffet. We go and pick and choose what we like and leave the rest on the table. He declares what is true, what is right. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And as C.S. Lewis says, he was either a liar and a lunatic, or he was actually telling the truth. Who says things like, you can forgive sins? Who says things like, you're the son of God? Who says things like, I'm gonna raise myself from the dead? sounds like a crazy person or almighty God speaking clearly to us and if he is speaking clearly to us the truth of us I don't I don't glaze over passages that I don't like oh how I would love to as a teacher just to say I kind of don't like this one this is not going to be a fun one to talk about today let's just skip to the next page but as a bearer of truth and a bearer of God's word, my job, I'm just a mail carrier, I'm just a delivery boy, my job is to tell you the truth of God's word. Whether we like to receive it or not, I want the truth. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Two Kingdoms, One Choice. Two Kingdoms, One Choice. We're going through a series I've titled Jesus Worldview because at the end of the day, I want his worldview and what he has said. 
You see, we have to establish where our truth comes from. We have to establish where our worldview comes from. These are some of the major questions I always ask people when they are challenging Christianity or challenging the words of Christ. I say, well, what is your truth? And they say, well, it's this. I say, why should we believe you? And why should we believe it's true? Why are you the bearer of authority? Are you God? Do you know all things? Are you perfect? Or have you stumbled upon some truths that you have borrowed from other people? Where did you get that truth? Oh, from a professor. Oh, from that person online. Oh, from that book you read. Oh, and where did they get that truth? And where did they get that truth? You see, we need to keep deducting down to the lowest point to find out where the truth is coming from. And this is what we challenge is, the challenge is the foundation of that truth to see if it holds up, to see if it actually corresponds with reality. Jesus' truth is one that seems to stand through the ages. And I mean, the way this thing comes together and the truth that he says, though many don't like it even in this day and age, they didn't like it in that day and age, they actually killed him for what he said. They just, Jesus was the nicest guy to ever walk the earth. And they said, we don't like what you're saying, and so we're going to crucify you like a criminal. You see, he was speaking truth, but the culture didn't like it. Today, we're going to talk about a bit of this today. Jesus goes very straightforward with uh, the Pharisees. He goes uh, head to head with them again as they try to challenge him on what he is doing. Two kingdoms, one choice. We will see Jesus divide the kingdom of God from the kingdom of darkness. Two kingdoms on the earth, only two, and you decide which one you are part of. You choose. We will see Jesus say, see some, say some very straightforward things regarding his own kingdom and who is with him and who is against him. We are in Matthew chapter 12 in our Bibles. We're going to start in verse 22. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? We always stand for the reading of God's word to remember whose word we are reading. Not my words. Remember, I'm just a delivery boy. I can't change hearts and minds. I can just tell you what God's truth says and allow that to change your heart and mind. It's amazing how powerful the word of God is. It somehow cuts into our soul. It literally divides the thoughts. Some of you will be after the sermon saying, were you, were you reading my mail? Were you, uh, were you uh, reading my emails this week? How do you know what's going on in my life? I don't. God does. His word is actually powerful and will speak directly to your situation. It's alive. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, Jesus says, then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him, so that the mute man spoke and saw. And all the crowds were astounded and were saying, can this man really be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. 
how then will his kingdom stand? And if Beelzebub casts out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless the first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. Verse 30. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you spoke these truths to give us greater insight into the spiritual world, into our world around us, into the physical world as well around us. Please open our eyes, open our ears, open our mouths to speak and to see your truth. We want your view. Please, Lord, fill us with more of, you, more of your wisdom, more of your ways. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We'll work all the way to 37 today in our text, but I stopped there at verse 30 because it's powerful. Last week, we saw Jesus show the Pharisees, do you remember, that loving your neighbor is Sabbath rest. After they had challenged him about it, they just literally walked up to him in the synagogue and said, hey, is it, uh, is it breaking the Sabbath to uh, heal on the Sabbath? Look, there's a guy with a withered hand over there. What do you say? And Jesus displayed his teaching by healing the man with the withered hand. If, if obeying religion and obeying the commands of what people are saying is God stops us from loving our neighbor, it is not connected to God. Plain and simple, Jesus is saying, the commands of God should cause us to love one another, number one, love him more, but love one another even more. How can we display our love for God? I love God. Do you really? You shout that really loud. I love God. Do you know how you show it? By loving one another. People will know you are my disciples by your love for one another, Jesus said in John 13. The Pharisees were not happy with what Jesus did. He says, you, yes, you should heal on the Sabbath. It's loving your neighbor, of course. And Jesus says to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And boom, he is healed before the Pharisees' eyes. They're ticked off about it. And they go and start planning more ways on how they might destroy him. It's sad. The text says after that, that Jesus went on his way into the crowds and he healed everyone who came to him. And this is where our story picks up. He just started healing everybody. I wonder if it was still Sabbath. And everyone was being healed on the Sabbath. It says, verse 22, Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the mute man spoke and saw. The man was blind. Can't see and mute, can't talk. And the cause of his being blind and mute was demon possession. He was blind because of demon possession. He was mute because of demon possession. As we will see, the context of Matthew, point, his point, his whole point of the context is built around the demonic. 
Could demon possession cause this? Big question, right? Yes. It's troubling that when our society, when our society has removed all spiritual connections to physical problems, therapists, psychiatrists, doctors, and scientists seem to think that logic and the physical is above the spiritual. We are spiritual beings. All you have to do is look at the human race in its entirety to the majority of those on the planet, 8 billion people, and ask the question, do you believe in spiritual things? Why is it that the vast majority does believe in the spiritual? You ask him, is there a God? The vast majority would agree there is a God. The reason the large majority says yes is because we experience the spiritual all the time and we know it. We know we didn't come from nothing. We know there is a creator and designer of this universe. Just look at the depths of information within each cell. It declares a mind supernatural above ourselves. How can so much information be crammed into a cell? Anytime you see information, you have to declare there is a mind. Does information come from nothing? If you found a, a McDonald's wrapper floating on Mars, a little uh, yellow double cheeseburger, it says on it, double cheeseburger with the arches on it, red arches on the yellow wrapper, would you ever conclude, given a billion years, the wind blew? And the waters came. And the elements came together and started to form this wrapper. And it came together in such a way it said double cheeseburger. <laughs> with an arch on it. Say, now that's ridiculous. You know how much information is in a single cell in the human body? What, why is every plant, animal, and tree pre-programmed? Some of them programmed to produce fruit that you can eat. So much information, so much software into one cell that it literally produces on its own. There's no information in there. Of course not. It all came from random nothing. This is crazy. It came from a mind. Why are we using physical tools to try and test spiritual things? The spiritual does affect the physical, no doubt, but we should be looking to the spiritual to explain the spiritual, the supernatural, the one to explain the supernatural. The Apostle Paul, one of the most brilliant men in the first century, he was schooled under Gamaliel. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was able to write at the highest level of Greek. If you look at his language, highly educated. He concludes in Romans 1, as he's writing to the Romans, he said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. You say, how? Paul says, I'll show you how. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. He says, the reason is, why don't you look around you, look at creation. Look at yourself, look at the design Look at a sunset, stand on a mountain and be in awe. Why does that even cause you to be in awe? Ask that question. Why are you in awe of it? It's just 
stuff. It's because you're connected to it. We are made with it. What is that within us? Those things that we can't measure, like love and creativity and art. Where does that come from? Desires. All of this comes from a creator. Jesus healed this man of his demon possession, and then he was able to see and talk. Think that through. The spiritual was taken care of, then the physical was healed. Point number one, if you're taking notes, physical illness can be connected to the spiritual. Physical illness can be connected to the spiritual. Let's break it down. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. 29, the Apostle Paul says, For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have died. He says because of spiritual things. He says because people are not taking communion in a worthy manner. James, uh, the Apostle James in chapter 5 says in verse 14 to 16, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Then he says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed of your sickness. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Interesting, even the apostles connect physical sickness with spiritual issues. Is that always the case? No. We can't always conclude that. But could some of our sickness be related to our spiritual issues? Hidden sin? Rebellion against God? Yes, absolutely, according to the Bible. And it connects to the physical. When we are running from God, we aren't at peace. And we find ourselves stressed out, and we can't rest, and our minds running wild, and some abusing substance, and it's a perfect canvas for physical illness and mental illness. But we would never conclude that has to do with the spiritual matter. Some kid walks into a school and shoots the place up. Oh, there's no way it has to do with anything spiritual. It's the darkest, most evil thing on the planet. How can it not have to deal with spiritual? Is there darkness and evil in the world? Here's the deduction. Here's the conclusion. Here's the reason. If there is light, there must be darkness. If there is darkness, there must be light. Light is the absence of darkness. If I turn the lights off in here, it becomes what? Dark. When you turn the lights back on, the presence of light is what is pushing out the darkness. Is there anything good on the planet? You say, absolutely. Then there must be darkness. The good is pushing out the evil, pushing out the darkness, but there cannot be good without the contrast of evil. Thus, there is evil and darkness on the planet. There are two kingdoms, and they are at war within us, within our society, the kingdoms of this world. When someone, uh, when I listen to podcasts and I listen to a lot of these newscasters and all this stuff on the planet, and they talk about the most wicked guys who have ever walked the earth, these dictators who wipe out millions and millions of their own people. 
I was just studying Genghis Khan and the work that he did. He, 50, 60 million people wiped off the planet. You believe this? He killed his own people. And all the surrounding, he just went on a, just like no big deal. How can we conclude that is not absolutely evil and demonic and outside? Oh, it's just the physical he was just trying to conquer. In order for a human to get to that place, something must break inside. This is why it's important to keep our spirit family, our mind family, and our body healthy. Not just our body, not just our mind, we need the whole. Body, mind, and spirit, the whole thing healthy. And we need to be doing spiritual reps in all areas. Work out the physical, yes, do that, eat healthy, that's good. Work out the mind, eat healthy in the mind, that's good. Work out the spirit, feed the spirit, good nutrition, very important. I didn't want to miss this connection because I thought it was absolutely shocking that the man's blindness and muteness was attributed to demonic power. We have blind and mute among us. Would we ever conclude that it's a spiritual matter? Seems like not in this day and age, huh? But in Jesus' day, absolutely. Look at verse 23 and 24. It says, all the crowds were astonished because he healed this guy. And we're saying, can this man really be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Wow. The crowds were astonished. The guy starts talking and he can magically see. The crowd is amazed, claiming Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah of the Jewish people. And the Pharisees, of course, can't stand this and have to spread lies. So they accused Jesus of casting out the demon of this man by Beelzebub. Side note, the Pharisees confessed that Jesus actually cast out the demon. The religious really like, yeah, he did. He, he did cast out the demon. But he did it by Beelzebub. Beelzebub is another name for the devil or for Satan. This word Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. Right? They accuse Jesus of this because naturally Satan would have power over his demons. But Jesus doesn't let them get away with it. You want to use logic, Jesus says, let's go. Like, well, you know, Satan surely has the power to tell his demons where to go when they want to. And so he did it by Satan. Jesus says, no, no, let's talk. Look at verse 25. Knowing their thoughts. Amazing. He knew their thoughts. They didn't know who they were messing with. He said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. Je Jesus says, 
if I'm casting them out by Satan, then who are your followers, Pharisees, casting them out by? You guys do exorcisms all the time. Who are you casting them out by? But Jesus digs in in verse 25, and I love this point. I want you to zoom in on this. This really ministered to me. Jesus essentially says a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So why would the devil cast out demons to hold back the kingdom of the devil? This makes no sense. Why would a soldier kill another soldier on the same team? Friendly fire. This is crazy. That would show they are divided. If they are divided, their kingdom will fall. Jesus crushes them with logic. He says, you foolish Pharisees, you are trying to use logic on the one who created logic. Jesus was casting out demons because he is building his kingdom. In his kingdom, there is no demon possession. There is no illness, praise God. And Jesus was bringing his kingdom in real time right before their eyes. It's like, you guys want to see what heaven's like? I'm going to show you right now. No tears, no pain, no suffering, no crying. Everything is good the way that it was made to be. But this digs into a deeper question I want to ask you today. I want us to ponder and really think about. When a people are divided, they will fall. Jesus references in verse 25, a kingdom divided, a city divided, and a house divided. Did you see that? Three categories. He says, if they are divided, they will not stand. They will not stand. Point number two, if you're taking notes, if you want to crush a people, divide them. If you want to crush a people, divide them. Divide and then what? Conquer. Divide and conquer. We see this happening in our nation, don't we? We are divided. First it was politics, then it was race, now it's vaccines and masks. So sad, this country will not stand if we are divided. Did you know that? We are being tricked. Even if you disagree with someone you love, you don't divide them. Have you ever been married? You don't divide. You don't attack them. You try to understand them and say, stay, stay undivided. You try to stay united. This is marriage. We've already had this philosophy, the way that we treat each other in society. As soon as you disagree with somebody about something, I don't like this, I'm out. This isn't Yelp. <laughs> We're not Nordstrom. Okay? We need to be able to fully disagree with somebody on something. I think the Angels did a terrible job. I think the Dodgers did a terrible job. Fully disagree, up in arms, arguing. What about marriage in our family? I don't think you did that right. I don't like that still united from sports to marriage from nation to city what are we doing you don't attack them you try to understand them 
and come to some conclusion together, we can agree on these things, we can disagree on these things. I'm thankful we agree on these things, and we can go on being friends. But oh, how we have been tricked. This is how I know in my own life. Because I look back on conversations I had over the last two years and I say, I wish I would have done it different. Maybe my point didn't change, but my presentation might have changed. Oh, how I wish both of us could have talked a bit more and come to a bit more understanding of what the other is trying to say. Because if I can look through their eyes and understand what they're trying to say, then maybe I can understand their view a bit more and not be so angry with them. Do you remember? I bring it up again, the rich young ruler, Jesus fully disagreed with him and he disagreed with the Lord. He said, hey bud, you're young, you're rich, you're powerful, go sell everything you have and follow me, let's go. It says Jesus looked upon him with love. And it says the man went away sorrowful because he had great things. If you want to crush a people, divide them. If you want to strengthen a people, unite them. If you want to crush a people, divide them. If you want to strengthen a people, you unite them, you bring them together. Be careful to divide this nation, America. A nation divided against itself will not stand. We will not stand. Rome crumbled. 800, 900 years of reigning, it's gone. America will not last forever. We continue on this way. Freedoms will be gone. All of this will be gone. Freedom, of really, all, freedom to worship and do whatever you want. You know that pastors in Canada are being arrested right now for teaching the things that I teach. It's happening right now. There is a ban of like 500 to 1,000 pastors who are all coming together to support those guys. It's happening right now. People will not like what I have to say and I will be X'd out and they will go to jail and be fined for the things that they're saying. You can't say those things any longer. Be careful, a nation divided against itself will not stand. Who attacks their own nation? Disagree with them, sure. I disagree with a lot of things our nation does. But tearing it down, who bombs their own ship? It's like, yeah, I don't like this ship. You know, I know we're out in the middle of the ocean, but who really cares? Here's a grenade. Boom. Who does this? Only foolish people. Because you're going down with it. Who bombs their own city? Who bombs their own marriage? Who bombs their own family? Only a fool. Because you're going down with it. You're hurting yourself. No, no, I'm getting them. You're hurting yourself. And that bitterness is the worst part about it because it eats your heart away. It's a cancer that destroys everything. We've got to be careful. Our nation does a lot of things wrong. And I don't trust politicians. I don't trust any of these dudes or dudettes. <laughs> They're on it for money and power. There are very few pure. But that's fine. I don't have to agree. I just need to find where I agree with Jesus and God and his word and figure out 
who is going in that direction in certain seasons and try to align myself in that direction. That's the best I can do. We have a broken society. We have a broken people. We have a broken nation. We will always be broken until Christ is king. This is a major point. And I hope it would cause all of us to reassess the way we see people. You can disagree with people and still be friends, okay? You can disagree with me right now. Would you still smile at me, give me a hug, say hi? Come on. Let's go to coffee and disagree. <laughs> Two people who can do this will have a great life together. Disagree and still be friends. It's powerful. It's rare in our society. You can disagree and still be friends with people. You can disagree and still stay married. You can disagree and stay a family, please. You can disagree and remain the United States of America, the land of the free. We do not need to burn each other down. You are being a fool if you think your spouse is the enemy or your neighbor is the enemy or your family is the enemy. You are the one tricked and it will come back to haunt you when the kingdom you are a part of it is divided and it crumbles. Anyone with that philosophy to go in and divide is in big trouble. And that is the will of the devil. He comes to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. Praise God, the Lord Jesus is the king of our kingdom. And no one can divide his kingdom, not even the devil himself. Did you know that? No one. Who, who's going to stop the Lord Almighty? Who's going to stop the king of kings? Matthew 16, 18 says, I tell you, Jesus said to Peter, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. God will have his way. You know how many civilizations have tried to wipe the church of Christ off the planet? A lot in these 2,000 years. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. And that there be no divisions among you and that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. You know how we get there? Through conversation. If you shut down conversations, we're no longer talking, we're not getting anywhere. So this whole shutting down people and not hearing them out is absolutely crazy. We cannot stop dialogue in the public forum. This is so essential to getting anywhere with ideas. Would you like it if someone shut you up? So you never get to speak again. You never get to share what's going on inside of you. Think about how disastrous that is to a society and to a people, even if they want to express the most darkest views. You know what we get to do? Shut it down with truth. You put it before for the public forum, you bring it up, and you bring up the truth, and then you let the public see the lack of reason and understanding, and you shut it down. This is the best thing that could ever happen. But if you ever want to not listen, if you ever want to keep your opinion and, and not grow in understanding, just bulldoze a person, just absolutely block out what they're saying, don't let them say anything, and then you get to keep your opinion. And you never grow. You never understand. 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. 
Philippians 2.2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Colossians 3.14, above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Psalm 133.1, the psalmist says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Unity. I get it. It's not easy to like everyone. And I'm not even asking you to like everyone. I think it's near impossible, but I am asking you to please love everyone. Love them with a general love, like God loves the earth generally. Please do this. You love your children specifically. You love your spouse specifically. But would you have a general love for all people? Would you think the best up front? Would you love others the way that you want to be loved and treated? This is powerful. When you do this, powerful things happen. It's the best thing ever to sit down with somebody who's like, you know, I don't know, fully disagrees with me, and we come to understanding by the end. And I love it. If they say, you know what, Josh, I, uh, I disagree with you on some things, but man, I, you're, you're, I like you. You're a great guy. That feels like we have gotten somewhere and uh, we have moved forward. I'm understanding their view. They're understanding my view. We had a cordial, wonderful conversation, and we're moving forward. We have to get here in our nation, in our city, in our families in our marriages. Amen? Jesus continues, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. We already talked about this, but Jesus brings a nail in the coffin on the logical argument. He says, I am not, if I am not casting out this demon by Satan, but by the Spirit of God, then guess what, boys? The kingdom of God is here. And I am the king. And Jesus is bringing heaven to earth, right before their eyes. He says, you're standing with the king. The Lord adds one more point regarding the work of his kingdom. He says, verse 29, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his property unless the first binds the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. He compares Satan to a strong man who owns a house and says, if you want to take the man's house, if you want to steal everything in there, you have to first bind him up or tie him up. Then you can plunder his house. He is saying the devil has owned the people in this world for long enough, his house. And I have come to tie that devil up and put plunder his house of the unsaved by saving the wicked from their sins and bringing them into relationship with me into my kingdom. He says, I'm kicking down the door of Satan. I'm coming in, I'm tying him up. And I'm taking everybody in here who's with him. I'm going to try to save them. I'm coming in to save. Bringing them into relationship with the king. Destroying the evil kingdom of this world. It's just awesome. Again, John 10.10. 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that abundantly. Jesus makes a clear distinction between these kingdoms that should cause us to pause. Are you ready? Pastor, I've taken enough already. I know, it's in the text. <laughs> Look at verse 30. Jesus literally declares about his own kingdom. He says this, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. 
Jesus says to the one who is not a part of my kingdom, is my enemy. They're against me. The one who is not with me and following me will scatter away from me. This is wild because Jesus doesn't allow for middle ground. You are either a Christian and a Christ follower or you are not. You are either a part of his kingdom or you are outside the walls. Jesus doesn't around, allow for lukewarm commitment. Those who are not for him are against him, plain and simple. If Jesus is a good guy. I think he's a good teacher. It's not good enough. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to God except through me. He literally said that out of his own mouth. That is literally saying that there is no other way to heaven except through Christ. Think about how radical that is. You stand up in the middle of LA, you stand up in the middle of the world, you start shouting that. It's like, like you're, what? Crucify him. That's what they did. To be on the fence about making Jesus Lord and Savior is to be against him. It's a dangerous place. Revelation 3.15, I know your works, he said. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, please, so that because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus saying, he says, I'd rather have you completely cold or completely hot. One way or the other, not trying to sit in the middle. And because you sit in the middle and do not choose to follow me with all of your heart, you are on the outside of the walls. Joshua 24, 15, the great general Joshua, the commander of God's people, he stood up before the people and said this, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, I don't care if all of you people want to go and serve the gods of the world. He says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will. That is a definite. We will serve the Lord. Look at verse 31 and 32. Jesus says, therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people but the blasphemy against the spirit shall not be forgiven whoever speaks a word against the son of man it shall be forgiven of him but whoever speaks against the holy spirit it shall not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come what jesus says that there is a sin that cannot be forgiven that sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But he said prior to that, all and any sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So let's clarify, because this is very important. Those who are wondering and nervous thinking they might have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Because they are nervous about doing so reveals that they obviously have not done that. 
The one who has blasphemed the Holy Spirit is one who knows the truth and says, I am going to go on a campaign against God's kingdom and try to tear down all of his walls. I will never follow that Christ ever all of my life. That one has rejected the Holy Spirit and blasphemed the Spirit of God, thus will never be forgiven of all of their sin. It is one who fully knows the truth and takes a step to actually go against all of it with all of their life. I don't believe that is any of you in here. After all, you are here today listening to the words of Christ. But the, my favorite thing that stood out, did you see it? Verse 31, therefore I say to you, any, some of your Bibles say every, every sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven. Every single one. Any sin you have ever done will be forgiven. Why? Because God loves you. He loves his kids. He loves his people. And he has gone so far to forgive you of every single thing you have ever done and will continue to forgive you past, present, and future. This is the God we serve. This is his mercy and love. It's absolutely amazing. I don't know anybody on the planet who has this kind of love to be able to ultimately declare, I will forgive and forget every single sin anyone has ever done against me. This is the God we serve. That's why we gladly serve him. I don't serve him because I have to. I serve him because I want to. He is a loving father who forgives his people. Anyone thinking that they have blasphemed the Holy Spirit and are nervous and scared that they have done so, I'm here to tell you today, you have not. And you need to know that. Because I know of a brother who just recently was so confused, got caught up in his own mind and heart, was deceived by the enemy so much so that he thought he had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. He was so scared in doing so, he took his own life. God loves you. And the key word here is any and every sin and blasphemy except for the one who knows the truth and says, I will reject the kingdom of God forever. That one absolutely has blasphemed the Holy Spirit of God. Finally, 33 to 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruits. Have you ever looked at an orange tree and said, is that an apple? Kind of looks like a grape to me. Persimmon? It's orange. No. You know a tree by its fruits. It's easy to see. Verse 34, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For out of the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out the good treasure, what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure, what is evil. What you declare from your, your mouth is in your heart. No, it's not. That's not in my heart. Yes, it is. Jesus says it is. Where did it come from then? It's in there. 
The mouth crushes us now, doesn't it? It says a good man brings out good treasure from his treasure in his heart, but an evil one brings out evil, the evil treasures of his heart. Verse 35, verse 36 says, but I tell you, Jesus saying that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. And be careful with our words for they're being counted. For by your words, you'll be justified, verse 37, and by your words, you'll be condemned. By your words, it's important. Notice Jesus healed the one who couldn't see and the one who couldn't use words. To see the kingdom, speak the kingdom. Standing before the Pharisees who could not see the kingdom, clearly dumped filth from their mouth. Remember your words reveal your heart, and I would also say that your words embolden your heart. So be careful what you say about life and about one another. Sometimes we have ideas inside of us, and we say, we, we've chosen not to say them, but we think them inside, and it's like when we start to say them and declare them, that starts to do what? Almost build a contract. It starts to build an idea, starts to build a vision for our life. I believe this, and I think it so much, I'm going to say it, I'm going to pound it in place. We have to be careful with life and with building. That's why they teach people, even in the world, who aren't religious, don't be saying things like I can't, or don't be saying things I can't accomplish, that I can't do. You start saying those things, and it's magically amazing how you start doing that, and you start living in that, and then you can't move forward, and the mind falls. We have to be careful on a national level to say things. We have to be careful on a city level to say things. We have to be careful in our family, what we say, how we say it. We have to be careful in our marriages, what we say and how we say it. I am guilty of all of these things. My mouth has got me into so much trouble. I'm reminded of James. He says the tongue is like a small match, can burn down a forest, can ruin people's lives. And I'll testify, I've said it in the past, I'll say it again. I could say, I, I could just spend probably a minute or two saying things out of my mouth <clears throat> that would completely ruin my entire ministry. Right now. If I just started declaring certain things, I could literally bring out bombs from my mouth that would probably destroy all of my life's work because of things that I'm saying. That's how powerful this is. So James says it's like a match. It can burn down an entire forest. You have to be careful with your mouth. You have to be careful with your words. It can ruin people's lives fast. It can ruin your own life fast. I'm going to do this. I'm making that decision. And all of a sudden, your life starts moving that direction. You wish you could have took it back. You wish you could have changed it. But your words, family, can also bring forth salvation. Praise God. Your words bring forth salvation. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. With your mouth, you can build each other up. You could brighten someone's day just like that. 
hey, you're an amazing person. I'm very thankful for you. You're incredible at what you do. You have unbelievable ability in this area. You need to take it and take it to the moon for God's glory. Use it, build it, get in that direction. Strengthens. It's amazing how powerful the words are and how sad we have used them to tear down the world around us. Legacy, would we be a light in this city in Los Angeles to speak truth but to speak light and to speak love and joy and peace into the lives of others. We talked about influencing people last week. You can influence with a simple smile. Did you know that? Watch this. You can change a person's mood with a couple words. We have to be careful. Jesus says we will be judged by them, but we also will be saved by them. You can save people's lives with your words. You minister the gospel to someone else with those words. They hear the gospel. God does the work and they are saved. You could pray over somebody and change their entire life. You could share a verse with them, change their entire life. There are a lot of people lonely and hurting in this world. And I'm telling you, the words of a friend are a blessing. Two kingdoms, one choice. Choose this day whom you'll serve. Choose this day whom you'll serve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, how it, it gets into us. It gets into our hearts and minds. It challenges us in the deepest places. And oh, Father, I pray that you would work in us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your commitment. And we thank you for your open door policy. The doors to your kingdom are wide open. And anyone who is willing can come running in and be saved. We thank you, Lord. You simply call us to turn away from the other kingdoms of the world. Stop following in those ways and turn to you with all of our hearts all of our minds, all of our souls, all of our being, and to walk into your kingdom and find peace and rest and joy. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Oh God, would we find that today in you? I pray for everyone here today who is wondering in their heart whether or not they are for you or against you. Would they declare today in their, in their heart right now by faith, I am for the Lord Jesus. I have made him Lord and Savior over my life. Save me from my sins. Make me new. Raise me to life. Give me eyes to see. Give me a mouth to speak. Give me ears to hear spiritually your ways. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your grace. Help me to walk in newness of life from this day forward. I want to follow you all of my life. Be my Lord and my God and my Savior and my friend. I pray, Father, you would fill him with your Holy Spirit right now. Change him forever. Give them the gift of heaven, a relationship with you. We commit things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.